Welcome to Word of Mouth, where we explore the fascinating connection between your oral health and your overall well-being. Here's your host, Dr. Alex Semiday. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode number two, episode numero two, <laughs> numero two, right? Numero dos of Word of Mouth. I'm your co-host, Jeremy Wolf, and I'm joined by your host, Dr. Alex Semiday. And as we alluded to on the first episode, uh, we are going to get into a, I like to think it's a pretty fascinating topic, something that to say it wasn't on my radar would be an understatement. It's something that I'd never even conceived of. And it's this idea of shrinking jaw size or, or what, the yep. shrinking jaw right, yeah, in, the, that in, is, in human beings. That is it. And I'm curious, like, and how actually that relates to your overall health, right? And so I'm trying to, like, what is it? What was the impetus that led researchers in the first place to start investigating this relationship between the shrinking human jaw and how that relates to your overall health? Because that's kind of, kind of counterintuitive. Let's start there. All <laughs> right. So let me ask you this. Out of a hundred people that you know, how many of them have like naturally perfectly straight teeth? That's a great, that's a great question. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of everybody that I encounter, but you mean naturally straight teeth, but you don't know for most of them because they may have had orthodontics. Are you talking about now right. or? Right. So okay. no, like, like in their lifetime, like people who just never had braces, never had Invisalign. Yeah, my wife. Perfectly, naturally straight. Perfect teeth. That's awesome, right? Yeah. He is in the minority. Okay. Right? Like crowding and and what we call occlusal issues or malocclusion. Occlusion is the term for how your teeth fit together top to bottom. Okay. Okay. And issues with that distribution of the bite, right? Things like underbites, overbites, crowding are really, really common. Like most people are affected by malocclusion to some extent. And what's super interesting is that 150 years ago, no one had crowded teeth. Interesting. 150 years ago, no one had impacted wisdom teeth. And now basically that's all you see is people that have to have their wisdom teeth taken out because they don't have enough room in their jawbone for them. So man, like evolutionarily, that doesn't even make sense, right? Like why do we grow these things that we don't really have enough room for? So the, the issue is that the jawbone has been shrinking over time and it's been shrinking pretty fast. It started about 150 years ago. That, is, that is a really rapid progression for something very, as significant as your jaw size. You would think that would take thousands of years to start shifting. You would think so, right? Like yeah. generations and generations and evolution, right? And, and all of that. But it is a relatively recent phenomenon. And it tells us, like, we know a couple of things, right? Like everyone always wonders, okay, is it a genetic thing, right? Are we evolving to reduce our, our jaw sizes, right? Um, you know, like, let's, let's like kind of fast forward on that track. You ever seen, everybody knows the alien head, right? big old brain, big eyes and tiny little like lower half of the face. Like, is that what we're evolving to? I hope not. Yeah, I mean, too. Um, but 
we see that the, the, the jawbone has been shrinking and it is not a genetic thing, right? That there aren't like genetics you can't do anything about. Genetics would be more akin to gum disease or or things like that. More not the actual shifting of the jaw per se, right? More about like one hundred percent. Okay, yeah, yeah. So what is causing this shrinking of the jawbone is in large part our diet. We used to use our teeth and our jaw muscles a lot more earlier on in life than we do now. After the period of industrialization, where our food supplies changed a lot, in general, our foods got much softer. Mm, yeah. And in getting softer, we stopped developing the lower half of the face the way we used to 150 years ago. So think about this, right? Like, because we're not using the muscles and forcing them to work at a really early age as we're weaning kids off of um, being breastfed, we're stunting the development of the face. And it's leading to all of these issues where the jaw bones are literally shrinking, crowding our teeth out, leading to other issues with the mouth that contribute to more and more issues with the development of the face. So wait, you're not, you're not ad- sitting here today advocating for increased gum chewing amongst youth, are you? Because that seems like that would give you a good workout. It <laughs> is some actually, sugar-free gum. <laughs> it is actually one of the treatments that no. are recommended. Having kids starting to chew gum. <laughs> yeah. I was just telling my daughter to stop chewing so, chewing so much gum. She's getting complaints in the school from teachers that she's chewing too much gum. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll wait. Yeah. It's, it, yes. Like anything that forces us to use these structures that we have for tens and hundreds of thousands of years been using in a certain way and has helped our, our physiology develop properly. We're stunting that growth, right? And like anything else that goes unused, it atrophies. Mm. And we're now starting to open our eyes to the impact that this has on our development as kids, right? Like kids. So we, we don't wean them off of, off of the breast milk into hard foods, right? They, they continue to chew soft foods that really don't require those muscles to work at all. And things don't develop well. So they, they start being, um, they start having those issues with how the teeth come in, right? The jaw bones don't develop, things are crowded. They don't have enough space for their tongue in the mouth because the jaw is crowded, right? They end up not being able to breathe through their nose because as the palate doesn't expand, your nasal passages are also constricted. So now you can't breathe in through your nose. So you leave your jaw, you know, slack jawed so you can breathe in through your mouth. Right? Interesting. The, the tongue is everyone's kind of heard of a palatal expander, right? Anyone who needed... Back in our generation, when you needed headgear right, for your braces and stuff like that, a lot of people had this palatal expander where they turn a key to like literally expand the upper jawbone. The tongue is the natural pal- palatal expander. Okay. Your tongue, when we're asleep, when we are not speaking or chewing, our mouth should be closed and our tongue should be resting up against the palate. And the tongue, believe it or not, is the strongest muscle in your body. 
And that strong, gentle, constant pressure is actually forcing your palate to expand. The tongue is the strongest muscle right in the size. Body? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I guess pound for pound, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like the welterweight champ. <laughs> That's the way. I mean, hey, right, yeah, eating is important, so you got to have strong, strong operation up here, right? You know, and it just the 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 strength of the tongue and the proper positioning of the tongue is essential to let the skeleton, right, the 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 jawbone develop properly. So we get into this vicious cycle of mouth breathing, right, because our nasal passages are, are too small. So because you mouth breathe, you get sick more often, you get more allergies, you get more, uh, more congestion, which means you mouth breathe even more, right? A lot of people don't know this, but when you breathe through your nose, your nose is actually killing bacteria that would otherwise get into your system. When you breathe in through your mouth, that bacteria gets into your system and can make you sick. So your nose is like a natural HEPA filter for your body. The nose, the nose, natural HEPA filter. Yeah. And, and all of this stuff ultimately leads to things like sleep apnea, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So you can see how all of this sort of like spirals out of control, right? Little kids, mouth breathing, their palate doesn't develop. They have a restricted airway. Now they're getting older. They're snoring, sleep apnea, right? And not to mention the other issues that come from like systemic issues that come from improper sleep, that come from sleep apnea. It's linked to all sorts of like chronic comorbidities, uh, diabetes, uh, cardiovascular disease, general inf inflammation. Um, it, is, it is a fascinating relationship and something that if, if we educate more providers to look for these things early, we can intercept them when we can still be extremely effective at changing their course for life, right? Like this can have an incredibly profound impact on so many people's lives. Just diagnosing the fact that this kid can't breathe well, right? My wife's a pediatrician. And as this whole jaw shrinking, um, you know, early childhood facial development sleep thing came onto my radar, which was pretty recent because it's not something that is discussed much in dentistry or medicine at large, right? It's one of these like nascent uh, fields that there's a lot of research going on, but it hasn't trickled down to the mainstream, right? So you said it earlier, it wasn't on your radar. It's not on a lot of doctors' radars either. Right. right? This, yeah, this man, I'm, I'm just I'm sitting here wishing we did this podcast six, seven years ago. And maybe my daughter wouldn't be having the issues she's having right now with crowding in her mouth and teeth not coming out right. And here I thought this was all, oh, it's just genetics. Yeah. It's just, you know, no, but all this stuff, I think, like with anything else, right? It goes back to forming proper habits from a very early age through proper education forming routines and getting into uh, the daily habits of doing these things so that it doesn't become such a difficult chore later on because forming new habits is more difficult the older you get. So if you can go back as a parent to when your kids are very, very young and instill these you know, values into them, right. 
you know, they're going to, like you said, right. There are a lot of people will avoid having the need for orthodontics and, and things like that later on uh, when they reach those teen years. You know, a, a good example that I think a lot of people, a lot of parents will, uh, will relate to is the pacifier use. Yeah. So what's up with, what's up with that? Is that horrible? Is that not horrible? Cause I've heard that it's, it's really really bad to use it all the time because it will help shape the the mouth incorrectly 100 uh, uh, it makes sense and so would you advocate not using that at all or just on a limited basis i mean what's so advocating for not using it at all would make me an extreme extremist <laughs> because my daughter isabel who is 18 months old is still using her pacifier and we're okay. weaning her off of it all right and uh but I saw it with my son too, right? Like it started to change the shape of their teeth and the shape of their palate, right? And just think about what's happening, right? If you have a pacifier in your mouth, you're kind of like sucking on that nipple in your mouth. Your cheeks are pressing inward, right? Your tongue is kind of like pressing forward and you're, you're sucking on this thing. And it starts creating like this V-shaped palate and, and crowding and you know, rotations of teeth in the front. As soon as we started removing the pacifier with Jordy, with my son, who's now five, all of that started going back in place, right? And their, their upper jaw, his upper jaw kind of rounded out. All of those rotations and kind of buck teeth settled back in because now the upper lip is just gonna be pressing back on those teeth and we're not gonna be pressing in anymore with the cheeks and the tongue, again, like we were talking about, will just start to expand the palate and put everything in its proper place. So for some kids, they have, you know, the, some, some malformation, a tongue tie, um, uh, weak tongue muscles, things like that. There are all sorts of exercises, very simple exercises that we can teach kids and adults to teach the tongue where to go, teach the tongue where it should be to help execute some of this developmental stuff that we need to see happen. Very, very interesting stuff. It is, it is really, really fascinating. And um, <clears throat> I'm curious from like a dental health standpoint, right? Uh, how should individuals and other healthcare professionals approach these types of concerns and, and collaborate together? Because like you said earlier, the, there's not a lot of cross-disciplinary uh, working on these issues, right? You know, you do what you do from the dental side. Like, how do we get more dentists together with people that deal with sleep apnea to have more conversations around this kind of stuff to help bridge the gap between these different disciplines that are by nature heavily interconnected? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's tough with, I think this is a good, these conversations are important to have. These conversations are important to have in public. Um, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, some, sometimes there's this idealistic notion of how medicine works, you know, from people that are outside of the industry, right? Where everyone is just rallying together around a big round table and figuring out the best way to go about things. Um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't exactly work that way. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of tribalism and everyone thinks they know best. And, um, you know, as a dentist, 
as a dentist, physicians are sometimes like, oh, dentist, what do you know, you know, about the human body and health? Um, so there's a little bit of that too, right? So we need to kind of break down some of those barriers and really just have conversations. Uh, I think the more, um, the more pediatricians, I was saying earlier, my wife's a pediatrician and, and she's been um, a kind of good reference point for, for, for these things for me. Uh, with her perspective and what she sees in practice. And, um, you know, in talking to her about all of this, uh, she shared with me the, the connection between um, sleep disorders with kids and things like ADHD. You know, when wow. kids are being worked up for ADHD, one of the first things they start looking at is how are these kids sleeping? Sleeping patterns, yeah. Yeah, because it, it, it's so important. For, for the way that we, our brains and, and our, our bodies develop in life. Um, so going back to, to how we can increase awareness, I think these conversations are important. Um, I think the more dentists and pediatricians are, are aware of these things and are screening and are bringing these sorts of things into the general awareness of people, I think that's how you know, more and more conversations start to be had and people start educating themselves more on these things. And that's how, you know, sometimes fringe science becomes mainstream science. Yeah, we should, maybe, maybe one, one day we can get your wife to join us on an episode to talk a little bit about what she does on the pediatric side and obviously other, other guests in different disciplines to talk more about uh, these issues because it is incredibly important to have collabora collaboration uh, interdisciplinary interdisciplinary, say the word for me, interdisciplinary, interdisciplinary, disciplinary, yeah, cat got my tongue. I really think about it too. That, that one, that one, <laughs> that, that one activates my speech impediment. So I, I wanted to also ask, uh, there's a term that I came across and doing a little research on this that I wasn't entirely clear on. I thought maybe you could elaborate on it. It's this idea of myofunctional therapy. Yeah. So what is, I mean, can you provide a, maybe a brief summary of what myofunctional therapy entails and kind of how it, how it addresses the issues that we've been talking about. Yeah. So myofunctional therapy are basically tongue exercises, right? It's oh, a okay. workout for your tongue and it, it, you end up doing a lot of funny looking things, right? So this is not the sort of thing. <laughs> Care to give us an example? <laughs> um, uh, or maybe later. Uh, so <laughs> you're really just sort of holding your tongue in extreme positions for 10 to 15 seconds at a time, right? Like you are trying to touch the tip of your tongue to the tip of your I, nose. I never even seconds. thought about doing anything like that. I say, I, I wonder if you can incorporate some of that in, with breath work, like deep uh, breathing exercises, sure. because that's, yeah. that's obviously, that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother day. Um, I'm yeah, maybe as we're breath training work. for another 10K, we'll, we'll do uh, myofunctional, <laughs> myofunctional breathwork exercises. <laughs> reach out, man. Just reach out. Uh, but yeah, so the idea for the myofunctional therapy is to strengthen the tongue, right? Kind of train it to be where it should be and okay. help. And it's, it's great for kids and it's great for adults with, with sleep apnea, right? Like that is... That is one of those fundamental aspects of any sleep disturbance treatment, right? And it's and it's a lot like I see that sort of thing as like, you know, if you have a bad back, you incorporate 
stretching into your diet, right? You incorporate doing crunches and strengthening your, your abdominal muscles into your routine, right? It's not just about taking a pill that kills the pain, right? It's about actually working to fix the underlying issues that are causing the problem. So it is an extremely, um, an extremely useful and functional aspect of, of treating all of this. And again, something that's kind of like under discussed and, and really under, dare I say, appreciated in medicine and in dentistry. But I definitely think it, it's a, it provides a very, very valuable service. Yeah, for sure. So before we wrap up here, I want to, I want you to pull out your crystal ball. <laughs> How, let's look into the future, right? Obviously, there's cutting edge science. There's things on the horizon. Uh, and, and obviously, a lot of this goes back to on the preventative side. But for folks that are already past that stage and are dealing with these problems, what lies beyond the treatments for these shrinking draw issues, orthodontics? I know they have an Invisalign came heavy on the scene. Are there any future research projects, any uh, future AI technology that's coming out that's helping to correct some of this? Like, what do we have in store for us in the future, my friend? So really, as far as the the, the amazing shrinking jawbone epidemic goes, um, a lot of this is really what we were talking about, right? Like identifying, knowing that it's a thing, let's start weaning our kids off of, you know, the soft foods. Let's start having our kids chew and use those chewing muscles and incorporate the myofunctional therapies so that we can help the younger generation start developing better. Uh, from a take a pill to pick to fix it approach. That was going to uh, be my next question, right? When are we going to have that magical pill that fixes everything? Hey, I got news for you. The magic pill does not exist. Everything requires yeah. hard work. Yeah. Forming the but right I'm pretty sure I read something that Pfizer is close. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in any case, like there's actually, there's some really cool stuff happening. Um, I'm actually going to be taking some CE coming up and something that just very recently came on my radar of uh, using some targeted heat treatments to prevent the development of wisdom teeth in the first place. Targeted, yeah. targeted well, heat treatments to yes. prevent the development of. Yeah. Yeah. So like your teeth grow is like little, Explain. little, little flower buds in your jawbone. Right. And they develop like you see your wisdom teeth starting to develop in little kids. Right. But they're just like these tiny little seedlings that grow into a tree and grows roots and then pops up in your jawbone. Right. So the idea is that as soon as those buds are starting to develop, we target them and basically like stunt their growth so they never come in. So it's okay, human with tiny shrinking jawbone, we're going to avoid the problem that might happen in, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now of having an impacted wisdom tooth mm. by killing the seedling now. So just so, so just for some context, wisdom teeth exist because in the past, folks had larger jaws and needed the additional teeth. And they came in yeah. when the jaw got bigger. And now that's yeah, we, were chewing, we were chewing raw meat off the bone, right? Like we needed some power <laughs> to chew that. Well, and guess hey, what? You were feed, that's what you were feeding your baby too, right? Now my pantry is full of like puffs. No good. No, I want to start a campaign. We're going to bring wisdom teeth back, brother. Let's go. <laughs> chewing gum. Wisdom gone? Chew, chewing gum 12 to 18 hours a day. <laughs> raw, raw red meat off the bone. Let's get the wisdom teeth back in play, brother. 
<laughs> it's it'll need some tweaking, but I think where you might be onto something. <laughs> anything anything else you wanna you wanna share before we wrap up? No, I think um, you know absolutely. One aspect of this podcast is um, you know I, we always welcome questions. So if if there are questions related to the podcast or any other um, you know topics that that folks find interesting. Um, always happy to get those, you know, we will read them. We will address them. Absolutely. And we will, of course, link in the description below to all of your contact information and obviously post your comments, leave a like, subscribe, get involved. Let's spread the good word, my friend. Let's spread the gospel. Let's do it. <laughs> all right. Dr. Semide, Alex Semide, always a pleasure. Mr. Wolf. Uh, I'm look, looking forward to our, our upcoming 10K. It's going to be magical. <laughs> I'm going to beat you. All right, brother. <laughs> All right, man. Take care. Have a great day. If we don't speak before the holidays, have a wonderful holiday with your, you and your family. And to everybody listening, take care. Have a wonderful day. And we will catch you on the next episode. Happy holidays. Keep smiling. Keep smiling. Bye. Thank you for joining us on Word of Mouth. Remember, a healthy smile is a reflection of your well-being. Until next time, keep smiling and caring for your dental health. We'll be back soon with more dental